0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Genesis by the numbers. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. On this bonus episode of Progressive Palaver, Joe Beauclair is joined by his very good friends, Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter, as he examines the entirety of the Genesis catalog and delivers his analysis of Genesis by the Numbers.
1: Okay, so Genesis by the Numbers, this was hatched um, July of 2019 as we were actually working on the Genesis Catalog, and it was an attempt by me to search for certain trends in the Genesis Catalog. So
2: if if we scroll to the next slide, I will introduce how I sort of went about this. This mathematical interpretation of the Genesis Catalog was performed using only the full studio albums covered by the play.
1: And again, I base this only on the studio albums that we talked about. It doesn't cover live albums, albums, the studio tracks from Three Sides Live, EPs and B-sides. None of that were included. So what we actually had then were 15 albums, 152 separate tracks, 13 hours and 31 minutes of music. A lot of it is very quantitative in terms of, you know, Personnel, but there were certain criteria that were put in here um, that were evaluated subjectively by me, such as prog pop whimsy and hobbit shit. Nice. And the instrumental calculations were based on on broad assignments. So again, when we talk about you know if Tony played twelve string on some track on on um, you know Nursery Crime, I didn't count that per se. So we're talking you know just the 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 main portion of this.
0: Got it. Um. Incidentally, three sides live. It's three sides of a live concert. One side of other material. Is that the album that Paper Late showed up on? Yes. Were there any other notable tracks on that that I would that I would know? I don't recall. I want to say there was. It seems um, like think... that that's sort of just a, like uh, disappeared. It's like a race from existence, Three Sides Live. Well, it doesn't make any sense when—and um, and I forget which, which way it was
1: because it's been so long since we did it. But either in North America or Europe, Three Sides Live was actually
0: Four Sides Live. Fascinating. Right.
2: Paperless, I guess in, in good recall. old USA,
0: we needed a hit. We needed a single. Me and Probably. Virgil.
2: Remember talking about that one? Yeah. Ah. Evidence of Autumn and Open Door. Okay, moving on. Ooh.
0: Pie charts. Pie charts. Dude, this is epic. You have to go back and do this for all the other bands we've done. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. I don't know that I do.
2: Am I reading this um, for the benefit of the Friends of the Playver? Album percentage is one pie chart. Song number is another pie chart. And time is another pie chart. Oh, wow. wow. So time, broken down by lead vocalists, is amazing because really half is. of the time is Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins is... Not quite a quarter of the time. Wow. Exactly. So you, you start
1: to look at it this way and, you know, you you start to see different things, right? Because we we were always, we were always, what really drove this from me was uh, I really wanted to answer the question of how much of Genesis was Prague and how much was pop. And because it, it seemed like, you know, if if you if you went off of sheer numbers sold you know the 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 pop version overwhelms but even when you talk about those more poppy albums there were always a, a prog number or two that was in there and, and that's really what drove me down this little rabbit hole as part of that you had to sort of understand who did what so as as Ken points out you know Peter Gabriel has over half of the full running time of of vocals now a lot of that has to do with dense albums um the lamb lies down on broadway and the fact that by the time phil took over vocals he started having solo career and genesis were putting out albums much less frequently but if you look at the song number yeah you can see it flips around which is interesting Take that for what it's worth, and of course, uh, oh, poor, but if you're dealing
2: poor... with long proggy songs where they range from you know six to nineteen minutes, then it would make sense that Peter's not on necessarily that many songs. Phil is on a shit ton of four-minute songs. Exactly. Okay,
1: okay so so that breaks down the lead vocalist, and then we go through keyboards. is very straightforward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> pie charts of only Tony Banks In every pie it, You know for, for completeness sake
1: It had to be presented
2: <laughs> You oh know there,
1: there was Tony is, is the constant right There was never anything else So Guitars is interesting You know It, it turns out Mike Rutherford Ends up having About half of everything no matter how you slice it, Mike Rutherford is actually responsible for the guitars then on on half. Whether you're looking at number of albums, number of songs, or or running time, and and the ratios don't really change that much. Uh, Anthony Phillips is anywhere from from ten and a half to thirteen percent, and Steve Hackett is um, is right around forty percent. So.
2: Wow, Joe, so this Steve is, this Hackett's is, only on six albums.
0: Yeah, but they're great albums. And, and they are, Joe. This is, and this is where you said like you're not counting situations where Tony Banks was playing acoustic twelve string right. on something, right. or okay. exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, Fair so Mike, Mike Rutherford, basically, whether you break it down by how many albums they did, or how many songs they did, or how much time was spent. Mike Rutherford is still doing 50% of all guitars in Genesis. Steve Hackett is doing slightly more than a third. And Anthony Phillips has this leftover wedge in there.
1: Correct. Bass, another exciting example. (laughs) (laughs) So Mike Rutherford is 100% of the bass, Hmm. and he's roughly 50% of the guitars. So Mike Rutherford is doing a lot of work in Genesis. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep drums is interesting actually you've got a lot more people in drums simply because you had two different drummers on the first two albums and you had two different drummers on the last album so you get a you know a little bit more going on here but but clearly i mean phil collins is the identity of genesis drums if you will right Uh, right right now we get into the fun things so one of the things that really a, a secondary aspect of this was when you when when i was listening to other podcasts about genesis and i started listening to genesis myself the the concept of song fades comes up an awful lot you wanted to ask yourself how often does genesis in fact fade out songs rather than end them this is which amazing. which is weird because obviously <laughs> you know they in, in certain examples they would they would fade them out live but i mean when they would play them live they would actually make an ending but on the album you can see they actually fade out, um, you know, in terms of number of songs, about 58% of the time. Every Genesis album has at least one song with a fade on it.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Obviously, we haven't done this for other bands, but 58% of fade-out songs seems pretty high to me.
0: It's pretty high. I agree. It's pretty high. It's pretty high. Especially one with such prog cred as Genesis. So is
2: Sephora's ready a fade-out?
0: Yes. I believe it is.
2: It's a very appropriate fade out. But it's still a fade out. It's still a fade out.
0: Was any of this information for this particular slide available prior, or did you have to literally go through and like? I listened
1: to all 152
0: songs and determined whether they faded out or not. Dude, the whole entire internet owes you a debt of gratitude because now people will know. They don't. They won't have to do it themselves. This is (laughs) amazing. Now we need a website. A couple of these. Facts need to be updated on like the Genesis Wikipedia page. Oh, for yeah. sure.
2: Oh yeah. This is great. This so is awesome. Explain this first pie for me. So so songs with fade.
1: So when you talk about, you know, on, on an album, you have, you know, I mean, six to you know, twenty-five tracks. You know, is does any one of those tracks have a fade out?
2: Oh, if, if the album has at least one fade-out, then yes. that means that album is a fade album. Correct. Oh, so it so has songs with fade a fade-out. Fade okay. Every okay. album
1: has at least one.
2: Okay. So, so the actual breakdown, for the benefit of Friends of the Flavor, Genesis songs with fade, 88. Genesis songs with no fade, 64. So the fade wins... Substantially. And then in terms of time, (laughs) there's seven hours and 50 minutes of Genesis programming that will ultimately get you to a fade. And only five hours and 40 minutes of Genesis programming that will get you to an actual organized, orchestrated ending.
0: If you ask me what percentage of songs, Genesis songs, do you think fade out? I don't think I would come anywhere near 58%. Nowhere near. It's quite stunning. This would be fun for, like, guests that we interview, you know? Like, uh, you know, Kersner. hey, Dave Kirzner, there are 88 songs of Genesis that fade out, you know, name five. <laughs> he needs to be here right now. <laughs> oh, my. Now,
1: the the next slides are the subjective part, and and quite frankly— as I was putting I, I, the last bit, the last couple of slides, these slides here, are the ones that I just finished up over the weekend. And as I was looking at the numbers, I was I was taken aback by some of the the ones we're going to get to. And I'm I'm going to assume that I did my homework properly, um, and, and so I'm going to stand by it. But it 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 did seem a little surprising when I reviewed it. So these are these are the subjective categories that are now coming up. So one of the things that we talked about in the Genesis segment was whimsy. And, you know, whenever Genesis whimsy popped up, it usually pissed me off. And so I, I went back and I tried to find those songs with significant amounts of whimsy.
0: So you were and, and pissed off for almost two hours.
1: <laughs> but it, it it's actually, a, it's a smaller amount of of percentage wise than I would have thought. Hmm. So again, if you're talking about song numbers, um, your 17 songs have whimsy and 135 don't. So that's about 11% to 89%.
2: Is a giant hogweed whimsy?
1: I believe that did count as whimsy. I could, there's actually a a very involved spreadsheet that goes along with all of this. Uh, So I could
0: I'm sure there were. Yeah, I was gonna say there there should be an appendix slide that <laughs> that accompanies all of the songs listed, categorized whether they were whimsy or not. My initial reaction would have also been to think, "Wow, that's not very many whimsical songs." When we would go through this, like we we would be in the midst of talking about like this really awesome Genesis album, and then and then Joe, you would kind of go, "And that brings us to the Genesis whimsy." <laughs> mm-hmm. So. It, there, it's it's sort of ever present, but it's really in small bits.
2: If you can read through the whimsy list, I, I would just be tickled pink. Okay, so so the the giant hogweed does in fact get credited with whimsy. Good
1: call. So the whimsy songs those would be the return of the giant hogweed, Harold the Barrel, Supper's Ready, the Battle of Epping Forest, Counting Out Time, Robbery, Assault, and Battery. A Trick of the Tale, What Gorilla, All in a Mouse's Night, Scenes from a Night's Dream, Dodo Lurker, Illegal Alien, Invisible Touch, Anything She Does, Jesus He Knows Me, I Can't Dance, and Alien Afternoon.
2: Only 17 songs. Oh my god, which Genesis albums have no whimsy? Three Genesis albums have no whimsy.
0: Let's see if we can figure it out.
2: And then there were three.
0: That's pretty emotional. no. You are so incorrect, I sir. I don't think Duke, Duke doesn't have any whimsy, does it? I'm thinking from Genesis oh. to Revelation
2: doesn't have blatant whimsy.
0: You are correct, sir.
2: Okay. And actually, I don't see any blatant whimsy on Trespass. You are also correct. Okay. Okay. So we're so only what, looking for one more album without which, whimsy. Which albums?
0: Differ, what, what, what did you say, Ken?
2: Uh, the first two, from Genesis to Revelation and Trust first two. have and, no whimsy.
0: And Duke has whimsy in it? No, I'm sorry, Paul. You are correct. It it, it Duke is the other one.
2: There it is. There we there go. There's the three. David Henschel. He, he, he cut the whimsy. He
0: sucked the whimsy right out of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now we get into the prog portion of it. Now, again, keep in mind, when you listen to a Genesis album, even a late-stage Genesis album, such as Invisible Touch— you know, there are songs like Domino on there that have what I considered to be prog elements.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah. This might and, be the most contentious appendix slide, though, right here. It It, it
1: is very subjective. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's my own smell test. So what I came up with then is 14 albums that have el- some sort of element of, of progressive music on there and one album that does not. The first one. That is correct. When you split it out by song number or time, it's it's pretty close to, to 50-50 in terms of prog elements. All this is saying is whether or not a song is has prog elements in it. It doesn't talk about the songs that don't have prog elements, whether they're a pop song or something else entirely. This is just coming at it strictly from the prog side. So okay. in, in terms of songs, 75 have prog elements, 77 do not. So that's a 49.3 to 50.7 split.
0: Oh, that's uh, pretty impressive. much right
1: down the middle. I demand a in, recount. In, in, <laughs> it's close enough. We probably could get one. But when in, in time, it, it's a little, and this makes sense, the prog songs actually are a little bit longer. So you have seven hours and 24 minutes to six hours and seven minutes, which is about 55 to 45%. Wow.
2: Okay. Huh.
1: That sort of tracks. That makes a certain amount of sense, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just to recap, for Friends of the Palaver, Genesis has 77 not-prog songs, essentially pop songs, and only 75 prog songs. So well, the pop is winning in terms of song numbers. It's
0: number. not, ne- not necessarily pop, they're just not prog. We'll investigate that in the next slide, Ken. So in this particular list, where did like a song like Guide Vocal fall? Guide Vocal did in fact get credited as being Prague. I'm down
1: with
2: that. In
1: fact, the the entire opening suite of Duke was credited as being Prague.
2: Okay, fair enough. And then I just imagine Tony Banks is the John
0: McEnroe of this. Like, like,
2: this was Prague. This was on the line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's one song that I'm curious about, Joe, and it's from We Can't Dance. And I for some reason I just can't think of the name of the song. Fading Lights? No, no, that should have showed up on the Prague spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Living Forever. Yes, that one.
1: Living Forever was also not credited as being Prague.
0: Okay, so then the real then the other tricky one is what about Abacab? (laughs) 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 Ah, Abacab.
1: Let's see what we had in Abacab. Dodo Lurker, who done it? And
0: that was it? As Prague? Yes. Okay. I'll buy that okay I like it listen that could be an entire episode that could be like a whole month's worth of episodes right there <laughs> trying to decipher what songs by Genesis are Prague and not Prague so then the next the next slide is what's really shocking
2: whoa
1: you actually used the word pop I did much like the previous slide I looked at a song and I said is this a pop song not Is it something
0: else? Is it in the middle? Is it a true pop song? Were there any quantifiable measures that included that? Did it have to chart or anything like that for it to be a pop song? No. It was just, just, did I determine it was a pop song? Okay. Okay. I
1: determined actually a relatively very small number of pop songs, 27 out of the 152, which is about 18%. In terms of running time, it's just a shade under two hours, which is about 15% of the, of the total catalog.
2: When we were growing huh. up, Abacab got a lot of radio play. That's nearly seven minutes in its full form. Did you
0: count that as a
2: pop song?
1: I did not count it as a pop song because pop. I did not consider it so.
0: Okay. Wow. What about Man on the Corner? Man on the Corner is indeed a pop song. Yes. What
1: about What yeah. about Mama. I'm sure Mama was not.
2: No, yeah, that also got a lot of FM radio play.
0: That's not a pop song. Yeah, there's there's a difference. 40 play. Yeah, there's a difference between
2: being popular and
0: being a pop song. Susudio is a pop song. If it's good enough for Casey Kasem, right? If if it's something you want to hear them perform live, I would say it's not a pop song. How about Follow You, Follow Me, Joe? Did that make it into the pop category? Definitely. I'm sure it probably did, but let's take a look. So, for instance, Mama is credited as a prog song. There you go. Okay. How about Deep in the Motherload? Where did that come in at? Follow You, Follow Me is a pop song. Okay, fair. Deep in the Motherload
1: was credited as being neither prog nor pop. Fascinating. That's why I laid out sort of the the, the subjective nature of this up front because, you know, if you guys were to do this, you would probably assign different numbers. And, and we could make that an exercise. If you guys want to go through this spreadsheet and assign your numbers, we can then
0: compare. And then we could put together a list of songs and we could put it in a playlist called Lost in the Valley Between Pop and Prague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We'll kick it off with "Deep in the Motherload," and who knows what else might be in there. Is wow. that where
2: the stealth prog lives?
0: The concert that I watched—I think it was like Christmas Eve—that I watched it on YouTube. That was from like the Duke tour. They op—well, at least the video opened with "Deep in the Motherload," and that was freaking wow. awesome.
2: Wow, I gotta see that concert. For the friends of the Palaver, we've got five albums without any pop songs. That's really interesting. And, and Joe, like you said, this category is the most subjective. So, you know, folks could wrangle their own numbers. But, but, sure. but this is a pretty good approximation. And anyone who's, who's listened to an episode can, can pretty much size up your, your, your tastes. And I think you're, you're pretty fair. Uh, so there, there are, are, in fact, 10 Genesis albums with pop songs. If you want to break that down by the actual number of songs, there are really only 27 pop songs in the Genesis catalog, and they add up to two hours of time, whereas all the crazy stuff that people put on their glow lights and, you know, take chemicals or whatever they do, that's 11 hours and, and, and 33 minutes. A, a lot of complaining in the ranks of Genesis fans over a measly 27 songs in yes. two hours of playing time for pop.
0: But I imagine this could be compounded because I can think of at least one example where a pop song is also probably a whimsy song. And what would that be, Paul? I'm thinking Illegal Alien. That one has the triple threat of be- of <laughs> also being <laughs> cultural- culturally inappropriate. <laughs> and in fact, Illegal Alien is counted as both whimsy and pop. Nice. So there you go. Nice. That ends up being, Ken, I think to your last point, I think that ends up being exponential in the mind of the Genesis fan. Yes.
2: The ultimate question that you answered was how Prague is Genesis?
0: Correct. Let's talk about the Hobbit shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so this, this was the one,
1: as I was putting it together, I'm like, really? This seems incredibly low. The ongoing joke has you know, sort of developed in the palaver about in order to be a prog song or band, you have to have Hobbit shit in it. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me that the impression as I thought back on it was that Genesis had a habit of going into really esoteric, mythical-type things. You know, I had Hobbit shit values all the way down (laughs) at Calling All Stations, which suggests to me that I actually went through the entire catalog with this category.
0: Joe, this... This is why you have to do all the other bands because, I mean, not not to just know the prog-to-pop ratio, but the prog-to-pop-to-hobbit-shit ratio across bands, it's important stuff. It's, you think it's
1: critical
2: to our understanding of progressive rock? Absolutely. We
0: need to understand who is the king of hobbit shit in prog rock.
2: This is where we hang our hats. We're going to be the data guys of prog. <laughs>
0: It's it's all about analytics, you know.
2: Nate Silver is not going to know what hit him. We're, we're just going to be right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I seriously can't believe it took us, well, took you this long to put something like this together. This is epic. Wow.
2: Only 3.9% of Genesis songs have Hobbit shit.
0: <laughs> and that seems really low, doesn't it? But <laughs> if you asked me what band has the least amount of Hobbit shit, I would probably say Genesis.
2: I mean Rush is probably And, and the pretty expectation
0: high. the expectation
1: would be that Rush probably has the most hobbit shit, right? That
2: that would be my guess. With Merlion, we talked about um uh...
1: yeah, Grendel I think is the only the only one that you might have
0: hobbit shit maybe? And that's not well, even on a for full for the out. the name of the band? Yeah.
2: Joe, will you entertain us with mm-hmm. the six hobbit shit songs from <laughs> Of course I will, Ken. The
1: six Hobbit shit songs are The Fountain of Somasis, The Lamia, A Trick of the Tale, Scenes from a Night's Dream, Cul-de-sac, and Alien Afternoon.
2: Huh. I think the Venn diagram with Whimsy is overlapping.
1: Actually, only half of these six are credited as having Whimsy.
2: Yeah, Okay. But four of them have fades. <laughs> wow! See, this is. <laughs> I, I I think we need the Genesis board game where you like have to drink the number of times you you land on a song, and if it if it's if it's got a fade, you drink, and if it's got Hobbit shit, you drink, and you know it's going to be quite quite a game.
0: Uh, we definitely do need an interactive spreadsheet for this show, so. So people can just pull up a song and and you know filter out. I want I want to listen to all of the Gen- Genesis songs that have Hobbit shit, <laughs> Whimsy, and Our <are> Prague.
2: <laughs> so, so so and have
0: Peter Gabriel singing.
2: The Hobbit stuff is fictional. Correct. And it helps. Fantasy fiction. Okay. This
0: is how I sometimes spend my time. I think your assignment for 2021, Joe, is to do this for another band. Pink Floyd is going to be exhaustive. The problem I have with doing Rush is there are three albums I can't even listen to. So, Well, maybe we can help you. Okay. Well, sure. there you have it. I mean, that is Genesis by the Numbers. Well done. Well done, Joe. What was, what was for you, probably the most surprising thing you found? The most surprising thing I found, I think, would have to
1: be the relatively small percentages of of true pop songs. Hmm. Hmm. If you just casually think about it, you you have this, at least I have this perception of late Model Genesis as being almost all pop. and you know that's when that's when they sold their souls to you know the gods of money and Phil corrupted everyone. and I mean, you know all the stories. You know, again, as we were going through that segment, and we're talking about things like fading lights and Domino and and Mama and you know Silver Rainbow, things like that. Those are not pop songs. I mean, Mama is about as not pop a song as yeah. you can get. Agreed. Even though it was very popular on the radio, it, it in its construct, it's not even close to a pop song. I let the numbers speak for themselves, and what I found was, according to my evaluation. Genesis did not do that much pop. Now, I would imagine if I did the Phil Collins catalog, I would find a lot more true pop songs as I consider them.
0: Yeah. So there were definitely pop songs on the Genesis album, the Mama album. I think a lot of the notoriety of that album was from AOR radio Mm -hmm. at the time. But that's really when they, you know, they, they really just started to explode Maybe there was some bleed over in the fact that people maybe ascribed a little bit more poppiness to some of the stuff, some of the older things from like Duke and Abacab and the Mama album because of what came after that, maybe. Think about Duke. What does the casual person on the street of our age know about Duke? I guess misunderstanding and turn it on again. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's all they know that helps color this i mean even even as far back
1: as and then there were three follow you follow me that's what people know right right and and so you you can sort of create this perception of an album being or a group being much more pop than they are even though the rest of the album is nothing like that think about all the people who bought porn or graffiti looking for an album full of more than words and we're like what the fuck is this
0: mm. That's a great fucking album porno graffiti Oh yeah yeah boom okay coming next rush by the numbers Rush, <laughs> rush
1: by the numbers <laughs> so well uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys appreciated the uh, the effort once I got into it I couldn't stop because I'm just that stubborn That's but I couldn't decide if it was just stupid or, or interesting <laughs> but we weren't here to talk about Genesis by the numbers <laughs> but we did anyway.
0: We did anyway,
1: sort of on the fly, completely impromptu. I love it.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you. We look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available presumably wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and even Pandora. We are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time...